Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, welcome to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome to SEN Fridays at the Top End, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Joined here especially early by the NTFL guru, Rob Hale. Rob, how was your week? Yeah, good, Clarky. I uh, commentated the Palmerston Tiwi game last week and did the 18s as well. So, not a bad week of footy. A few, few, uh, few little upsets and... Yeah. I was going to ask you about that, Rob. How was the commentary debut? Did you do more of a play-by-play thing or were you there for your special comments? Nah, I was doing the special comments. Um, I was a bit shaky to start with, I reckon. I come in at, into it in the second half, I reckon. So it still was okay. I did it with Ash Manakaris and uh, Eddie Betts played and a few others, a few with uh, AFL experience. Yeah, we will talk about that game very, very shortly. Raf Clark joining us as well. What did the week look like in Raf Clarkland? Yeah, Pretty relaxed one, mate. Um, sitting in the stands, get, starting to get used to that and watching the boys play. Um, wasn't the result everyone was expecting um, with the Saints-Tars game, yeah. so that was a bit disappointing by the boys. Um, but, yeah, that's probably a quick wake-up call they, they needed. Um, yeah, uh, got down and watched some of the, the other games as well. Watched the Saints girls. They um, Yeah, they had a bit of a loss as well. So, you know, Saints have got to pull their finger out, I think, this week. <laughs> A bit of a loss. That was a, an absolute thrashing. Yeah, yeah. I was a bit light we on will, then, so... We will talk about that. Hey, speaking about the Saints, you are coaching the Division 2 this year. When does your season start and how are the preparations going? Yeah, they're looking all right, mate. Um, we were all penciled and excited in uh, for Sunday, our first hit. Um, but, yeah, we were told yesterday that Palmerston were going to forfeit. Uh, I think they got a bit mixed up with um, how many sides they had in and um, now they're all the Div 2 boys have to push up the Div 1 and... Yeah, we have to have another week off, unfortunately. So had to break the news to the boys last night. So we put a few extra drills in and trained a bit longer. So unfortunately, another week off. But for my old body, it's probably a good thing. Raf, I can tell, I can hear a little bit of angst in your voice when you are telling me that story. Is this something that you think the NTFL could improve on or they could have been a little bit better with their messaging here? Yeah, definitely, mate. I think um, a, a lot of people probably have the same opinion. Um, you know, they're bringing a whole new mm. men's division um, you know, probably six or seven weeks out before the new season. I don't know where you're going to find 200 extra blokes um, in Darwin that want to play footy and run around. Um, so, yeah, it's something the NTFL probably, you know, could have broke to us at the end of last year to give you a bit of a warning, um, you know, give you six months to get ready. Uh, you know, everyone in Darwin's pretty relaxed and doesn't get things ready until the last minute. So it um, looks like the NTFL have taken that approach as well. Yeah, plenty of NTFL to talk about later on in the program. We will talk about some AFL trades just off the top. Not a trade, but Anthony McDonald, Tipping Woody, one of the most beloved Territory AFL stars, is pondering a comeback, his manager, Scott Lucas, announced during the week. Robbie, what are your thoughts on that? You're a Bombers man. You would have had some great memories watching Waller run around. Do you think that that's a good move for him personally? Do you think that he's fit enough to play and make a comeback to the AFL? I was a bit uncertain um, towards the end of last year. He certainly, yeah, a bit uncertain, Clarkie. Um, 
last end of last year his VFL form was struggling a bit, so I'm not too sure how he's going to go coming back into the system, or maybe he might need a fresh start at Frio. It'll be interesting. It's not easy to miss six, seven, eight months of AFL football and return to that elite level. Raph, I suppose, what is your biggest comparison to what Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody is doing? Did you find, did you have a break when you finished your AFL career before coming to play for St Mary's or was it more or less simultaneously? Did you have any, ever have any long-term injuries in the AFL where you missed six to eight months and then found it hard to do, adjust to that pace? Yeah, mate, any, any long break um, at that level, um, you know, I had the operation on Miami at the end of 2010 um, when I missed all the final series. So, yeah, it took me a good bloody, um, you know, seven seven or eight weeks just to get back to feeling confident in your body again. Um, and then it's, you know, a good three or four months of rehab to get you back to playing um, capabilities at, at that level especially. So, you know, if Waller's been keeping himself in a good nick, I know he came up here and had a couple of runs with the Saints boys in the pre-season. Um, How do you look? Yeah, he looked looked all right, but you know he, you know, those boys, those uh, Teary boys, when they got the footy in their hand, doesn't matter how much games they've missed, they still put you put a lace out wherever you want it. So, yeah. um, you know, it didn't look like he hadn't missed a beat, but you know, then again, you're only you're only running around with um, you know, your local club. So, in terms of fitness wise, you don't get uh, a good sense of um, where he's at. So. You know, if he's if he's ready to go, and um, you know, it'd be awesome to see him back out there because he, I think he had plenty of years left in him, at least three or four, I think. Rob, is he a good fit for the Dockers? And do you have any idea? Or and Raf, feel free to chime in if you have the answer to this. But why Perth? What's Waller's connection to Perth and Western Australia? No, I've got no idea to be honest with you. Um, I think he would fit him okay with Frio. I think they are losing a couple of players, but they do have some good small forwards at Dockers and at Bombers. They sort of lack them, so. I can see why Bombers are trying to get him, would actually be interested in having him back. Do you think he's a better fit for Bombers or Frio? Bombers, I'd say. Bombers. Probably. Yeah. I think uh, he needs that fresh start, though. Is that you got a Bombers hat on, or you got <laughs> your. <laughs> you just got yeah, your footy hat. A bit of a Bombers hat. We do have Davey there coming in, so I, like. I will ask that. Genuine, as a. From a Bombers perspective, do you think that Anthony McDonald, Tim and Woody is a good fit, given as though they are keen reportedly on Anthony Mankara, who will play as that forward role? Alwyn Davey, uh, Jaden Davey, Tex Wanganeen, they do have a lot of small forward options now. I think that Essendon started to plan for life without Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, and then this has thrown a spanner in the works by putting his hand up and saying, I'll come back. I don't think it's an easy decision for Bombers to just be like, yeah, sure, welcome back to the list. I think they have to consider that. Yeah, I'm not too sure on how the list spots are sitting. Um, probably if they are going to get Anthony Munkara, it'd be good to have him there for a year or two to help that transition to make Anthony Munkar a bit more stable and a bit more unhappy in that Melbourne sort of get through that Melbourne winter, you know. Mm. Ben Long, another Territorian, has been officially traded to the Gold Coast Suns. The Suns also get a future first, future fourth rounder rather from St Kilda and have sent back pick 32 in this season's draft. Hey, let's fast forward to round one next year. Where does Benny Long line up for the Suns, Raph? Yeah, I think Benny plays his best footy of half-back. I think we touched on it last week. Um, and even a, 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 a ring, uh, the wing role as well. I give him a bit of freedom. You know, the way Benny attacks the footy, um, you know, those midfielders will be looking over their shoulders thinking they're going to get crunched by Benny Long. Um, but he does read the game very well at half-back and gives you that run and drive, I reckon. Just on the Saints, Hunter Clark also looking at leaving. Is all right at the club? Is 
they're in a bit of a in-between position, and we will talk about St Kilda. They are one of the AFL clubs that we will review later in the program. But is there a concern with some of these players leaving? Yeah, um, yeah, mate. It's, uh, it's. I haven't had a chat to chat to Ben about anything that's going on at the Saints, but um, yeah, if, if, if players are um, leaving because they don't feel happy there, um, there must be something that's um, stirring it up. So yeah, we'll dig into that later, I guess. Mm. Robbie, you saw a lot of Ben Long throughout his career, even as a junior player. How high do you think his potential is? And I go back to if we had had this conversation three or four years ago and we laid out on the table who is going to be a better defender at AFL level, Ben Long or Daniel Rioli, I reckon all three of us probably would have said Ben Long. More suited to the position, played a lot more junior football there, played a lot of good football for St Mary's there as a 17-year-old. Um, Daniel Rioli's obviously had the positional changed and, and really made that spot his own. I'm a big believer in Ben Long. I think he's got that competitiveness that's really important in football. I think that his skills are sound. I think he's got a little bit of that X factor and, and that mongrel that he has, that, that rabid dog that he's got in him is really, really important for AFL clubs. How high do you think Ben's potential is as an AFL footballer? I think about two years ago he was uh, ranked in the top 15 for uh, intercept marks. So the moment he moved forward playing that pressure forward role for St Kilda, obviously that sort of got taken away. Um, so I think he's actually got the potential to be more of an intercept marking defender. And I think he's, like Raf said, he's way better seeing the footy in front of him. Um, it is pretty hard playing half forward and then he's doing that pressure role. He can be in and out of games. I think he's going to be able to play more consistent footy at half back. And the Suns have, f f I think, four blokes did, who did knees last year in mm. July. So they'll be all coming back in July, August. Yeah. Which gives him a good timeline to cement that spot at half back. Similar players too, like your Lockie Weller types and that across the halfback that, that Ben will slot into. Do you think the Suns will continue to attract territory players due to their link to the top end? I know that uh, obviously there's been a little bit of interest by some of the existing territory players already and just quietly I think there is a bit of, little bit of things going on behind closed doors with another territory player in the Gold Coast Suns, but we might touch on that a little bit later. But do you think that there is a solid link being created here with the Gold Coast Suns on the Northern Territory? Uh, well, I went and watched the Suns train um, when they were in Darwin, and I can't speak highly enough of their players. We had, there was about 15 or 20 kids on the boundary. That all the players come over and engage with the kids. And um, I, I would like the Suns to be the territory side until we do have one, uh, because they do have that connection, and the players are really welcoming to the top end. And having that two weeks in Darwin, I thought was really respectful. Yeah, I thought the Suns handled it really well too. I know after the game, there was a scene where the whole Gold Coast Suns were waiting up at the Michael Long Centre with Joel Jeffrey and Mally Roses and they allowed them time to go around and say hello and, and we know what popular people Joel and Mally are. They probably would have had to see 200 friends and family. And also, they're bloody tough to beat up in Darwin. Oh, yeah. So, like, if they could get a, top, a couple of top eight sides playing up here, I reckon yeah. they could really sneak two wins because Hawks were all right last year in patches and they smashed them by 10 goals and had North as well, and they beat them by something. They smashed them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little little home away from home. Yeah. Hey, have you adopted the Suns as your second team, Raph, or you're not quite on board yet? No, nah, definitely, mate. Um, and like you said, that, that link to the territory, um, for territory players who want to play there, and like I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, to get it, I would have loved to have a chance to play um, in front of my home fans and your family and friends and, you know, at St Kilda, uh, which we never got the opportunity. So if you're... A territory boy, everyone, you know, gets to go back to their home clubs when they're from Perth or Melbourne, you know, in the drafts, and they can pick when they want to go home through trades and stuff. So this is as close as you can get to Darwin as a, as a Gold Coast. Um, you know, I, I'd love that link to keep continuing and, 
you know, if I was having my time again, I'd, I'd probably put my hand up for the Gold Coast Suns to play a few games at home. Raph, we do need to go to a break very soon, but last question from me until then. You did mention that you would have loved that opportunity to potentially go to the Suns. They didn't have that territory link really at the time. While we talk about the AFL trades shortly, did you ever have any serious considerations on leaving St Kilda? Did you have any approaches from any other club throughout your journey that you had to seriously consider? Obviously, with your brother uh, being there, it's another another spanner in the works, something else you need to consider. But your brother left the club too and went to the Brisbane Lions uh, later in his career. What was your position? Nah, mate, I, was, I was pretty lucky when I got to the Saints. They had that, um, you know, the, the super draft before me and, um, you know, also Rewalt Kaczynski. So... Um, they 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 were building a really good side, and I I'd, I'd been you know came in that right age to fit in, um, and you know bloody I was quite lucky. So you you go into a club that's building and ready to go mm. play finals, and I was lucky enough at the time to be in that position. If if I went to the club and they were struggling, um, you know I did have other club clubs along the way um, after a couple of seasons ask if you're interested, but. You know, I was I was loving my time at St Kilda because we're all about the same age. We're building that um, group together, um, and you know we go on and play in a couple of grand finals. So uh, it wasn't until you know after Rossi Lyon left is when you sort of um, you know you felt that you mm. might be an opportunity now to jump out and look look elsewhere because you're getting a bit old and getting left out of the team a fair bit. So that's the only time where I really thought about somewhere somewhere else might have been a better fit. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays at the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16, 11 a.m. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark. For Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin. We will love your listing. Plenty of trades happening in the AFL world. A couple of key defenders on the move. Zane Cordy has signed a three-year deal with St Kilda. And Liam Jones, back to the Western Bulldogs. Raf, do you agree that Carlton deserve to be compensated for Jones going to the Bulldogs? Yeah, it's a hard one. I, um, Is he still a Carlton player? Obviously, it was very controversial how he left the system last year with the mandates and yep. all of that stuff. Um, do you think Carlton deserve a right to a pick? Uh, well, I think if um, Carlton really wanted Liam back, you know, he probably would have went there. But, um, mm. yeah, if you, if you didn't want him back and he's gone elsewhere, then I don't think you deserve to be compensated. It's an interesting one. He played at Palm Beach Corumbin this season in the Quaffle, which is a good standard competition, a little bit below the traditional state leagues like the Sandville, the Waffle or the VFL or something like that, but still a decent comp- competition. Is it going to be a hard adjustment to get back to AFL standard, Raf? Yeah, that's a, it's going to be an interesting one because, you know, the standard, don't matter where you play, you never can match AFL standard. And even when you play, you know, an intra-club game in the preseason, it's still like, you know... Not near the you know the the um, the level that you expected to play each week. Um, so, you know, hopefully he's been putting in the kilometres off the field and uh, you know, doing his extras. Which you know, for him to put his hand up, it obviously shows he has been and he's backing himself in. So, you know, I'm I'm happy to see Liam back out there and um, you know he he was playing some sensational footy mm. back off off that half back line and. He was awesome, mate. So to see him back out there and to have a crack again at 32, that's, uh, you know, take my hat off to him for doing it. 
Jaden Hunt to West Coast, Dan McStay and Bobby Hill to Collingwood. Robbie, are the Pies a chance for the flag in 2023? Do you think the acquisition of McStay and Hill helped the Magpies? I think it helps them to an extent, but I think they're sort of underselling Brody Grundy. I think mm. that's going to be... You know, I think people are forgetting how good of a ruckman he was. And I have trust in Simon Goodwin that Melbourne knows something that we all don't know. So they're going to do something very different with the Grundy-Gorn situation. Mm. Whether, I don't know, I'm not too sure that what that is, but you've probably potentially got the two best ruckmen in the league in the one side. So it could be work out to be a massive advantage for Melbourne next season. For sure. How do you structure that? Do you have Grundy as your main ruck and then Gorn sort of as a big ruck rover, or how does that work? Yeah, I'd probably, have, I'd probably play Gorn a bit deeper, um, play him deeper forward, McDonald up higher, and then have uh, Grundy as the main ruckman. I think Gorn plays uh, forward better than Grundy. But maybe Grundy also has some little spells there. SEN Fridays at the top end, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark. For Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark. For Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Raf, a trade that has piqued my interest a little bit is Blake Akers to, Car- to Carlton from the Fremantle Dockers. He was excellent in the semi-final against Collingwood and had a lot of good games throughout the season. Is he an underrated footballer, Rob? Yeah, I, I really... Um, there's a few games this year where Brayshaw's been tagged out of it and Sarong and Akers and those are the type of players that have stood up. So I was surprised to hear what he was on at Frio, considering that he mm. has had best on-ground performances for him. And looking at his stats throughout the year, he regularly gets his 20 touches. Um, in the final, I think he had 27, 28. So sort of sums him up. Mm. Has the role of the wingman changed, Rob? I know Melbourne play their wingman, uh, Brayshaw and Langdon last year, especially and this year. They played almost as like defensive midfielders where they would start as traditional wingmen, occupy that wing role, but they would always be there as that almost last guy in defence when the ball would come down late. Yeah, having that ability to push back and then come across and that sort of thing's pretty important for a winger these days. It has changed a bit. And you're seeing that a few of these blokes are staying on for longer as well as a wingman. So just patro- going up and down sort of being that role. Plenty more to come. Essendon CEO Andrew Thorburn stepped down just after one day. Very controversial. A little more on that later. Jason Horn Francis telling North Melbourne that he wants to be traded. We'll discuss that later. And plenty of NTFL stuff with Rob Hale and Raf Clark coming up next. This is SEN Fridays at the Top End. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. Welcome to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. The NTFL opened up last weekend. It was round one. Very exciting times. Very interesting, too, was the opening round clash, the grand final rematch between Waratah and St Mary's. Robert, two teams that you have had a lot to do with. 
Final score, the Warriors 21-12, 138. Thrash, the Saints 5-7-37. Ed Morris, 29 disposals and four goals on debut for Waratah. Had a really good game. Arnold Kirby was excellent in the ruck. 19 disposals, 21 hitouts. Darcy Hope and Tom Benulis, I thought, were other strong targets in attack. I believe they were first gamers for the Warriors, but you might want to confirm that. Where did the Warriors win this game? Oh, I'm not too sure. They just absolutely smashed Saints. On Everywhere. The I, th I sort of think maybe they won it already with the teams that went out that day. Um, looking at the sides, you'd have probably predicted Tars to win by 30 or 40, but it's hard when sides bring in a lot of new players that you don't know their credentials, you don't know where they're from, and it's, you know it's been everyone's been pretty quiet on the recruitment front. I find that an interesting one because you're right, on paper... Waratah did look strong. They've got a lot of credentialed players from down south. But we've seen St Mary's time and time again overperform, I suppose, or, or that culture being so strong that they haven't had their best team, but the 22 players that wear that green and gold jumper can put in a really strong competitive performance. I look at their team last week, and they had Jackson Calder, Nate Paredes, Dylan Lant, Nick Yaron, a couple of other really good players. Raf, would a 101-point loss, that's a disappointing way. There's no other way to write that about Saints' the start of the season, is there? No, nah, mate, it definitely was. Um, it's, you know, you talk about putting the work in in the pre-season. Um, you know, a few blokes playing away, it's always hard. But, yeah, I definitely expected a better show than that, mate. Um, it was it was hard to watch. Um, you know, you never like to see your team lose, but to lose by a big margin like that. Um, yeah, it just looked like Waratahs were just ready from the get-go. Um, you know, the, the way they played, they just set up it really, really well off half-back as well. And, yeah, it was just frustrating to watch, mate. Um, you know, it's just one of those ones where, like, oh, do I have to bloody put the boots <laughs> on again? And, and that sort of stuff starts running through your mind. But I know my time's definitely done in that that uh, role. But, <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully it's a, it's a wake-up call, like I said at the start of the show. Um, the Saints needed and, um, you know, a bit hard to get, you know, young Kobe on, on ball mm. for a first game playing against some really experienced mids, you know, and expect him to, you know, have an impact, so I, I feel sorry for the young fella, but, um, you know, it's probably, I've, I've, you know, throw him in a deep end, see if he can swim, and I think he, he'll be ready to go this week. He, he trains really hard, so looking forward to that. Anthony Chopper Vallejo has got a lot of experience now as a coach. He's he's won the ultimate. He's got a flag under his belt. What would his message have been to the group this week? Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one, mate, because we, we train at an opposite oval, our Steve 2 boys. Uh, we don't want to get in the way of the young fellas, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's um, just getting back to the, the... They were just out work, so, you know, you've got to do the work on the training track. And I think, same like Rob said, you know, new players, you, you haven't really played too many games. I think we had the one you know, intra-club game and one hit out against Wanderers. Um, so you don't really get a good look at each other until you actually out on the ground together. Um, so that's probably one, you know, not trying to make too many excuses, but, yeah, they were just outworked and outplayed, I think, on the night. So hmm. I think Chopper's... Um, you know, with his experience, mate, he knows he's got some good players coming back. So I don't think he's, it's, you know, panic, a panic button and, no. you know, alarms going off. But, um, yeah, it's disappointing and hopefully they can bounce back this week. Waratah, Rob, are a team that always seem thereabouts. They seem like uh, at pre-season it's, well, if we have our best team, we should be able to contend with Saints or Nycliffe or something like that. There almost seems like a different feel about the Warriors this year. It seems like they've come out round one and they want to stamp themselves as the big dogs of the competition. Do you think they are the very early premiership favourites? Do you think that the, the P word, the premiership yeah. word, is something that's been spoken about around the club? I'm not too certain on that, but like I, 
that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, should I, could, can I change my premiership <laughs> prediction? Because <laughs> now I'm thinking the Warriors are probably my They're tip. looking pretty steady, aren't they? Um, I've recently looked up the betting market, and the betting market have Nycliffe as the favourites. Mm. And I'm not... I think Nycliffe is still a top three side, but I think if Warriors put on a good display this week against Buffaloes, then maybe it will shorten in. But I think looking at the Warriors' side, they probably have five to seven to come in. They're at 14 points on the weekend, so they've got a bit of... Um, they do have to move out a couple yeah. of good players at a points as well. So it's, it's going to strengthen the side a tad, but not... So, you know, like A-Bankers has got to fly in and a few others is zero, but the other good players they've got waiting in the wings, a lot of those blokes are points. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting, Rob. I, was, I might ask you guys about that, because the point system, you know, I, I I find it hard to how you can have nine new players um, and, um, you know, not and still fit under the uh, 16 points or 18 points limit. Yep. Um, we talk about the point system. Um, yeah, so when I seen that Waratahs had nine new players, you know, get their Guernseys handed to them, I didn't think they were all ones or yeah. zeros. So there's a loophole somewhere there then the NTFL, and I uh, think the Waratahs have figured still, that out. Can be a bit of a KDFL time. loophole, is that true? Ka yeah, yeah, Catherine yeah, District Football League? Yeah. Uh, Big Rivers, Anderson. rather? Ran yeah. into Jerry Anderson, he's a Catherine boy, obviously, and ran into him at the, the shop the other day, and I said, don't be gammoning, Jerry. You know all them boys are Catherine boys. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the <laughs> so thing. There's a, they're both, like, I think Nycliffe have done it previously. There's been a few clubs that have yeah, done it. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of those boys play against um, Daly River or any of the likes when I was down in <laughs> yeah, Catherine. Yeah. So to see them all out on um, Friday they're night. from Nooka. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that was um, that's a loophole that um, you know the Saints better pull their finger out and jump on board, I think. <laughs> oh, let's face it. It looks like we're slamming Waratah, but it's one of those don't hate the player, hate the game situations. Yeah, Every... Also, Clark, you've got Ed Morris there that's um, racked up, you know, kicked four and 29 touches. He's been in the Div 1 for two years now. Mm. So, like, I don't, you know, I don't know if any other clubs approached him, but they've approached him, and that's sort of paid off as well for him. Plenty of good players over the last couple of years have been at Pints and Banks that simply would have slotted into any Premier League team that perhaps could have been poached. And of course, you get them as zero pointers given their year in the reserves or the Division 1 competition, as it used to be called. Last one before we move on to the next NTFL games, because we have spent a fair bit of time on the Saints-Waratah game, but it was the most important game of the round last week. What do the Warriors need to take that next step? We talk about whether they're the premiership favourites and we're sort of umming and ahhing and saying, oh, possibly, probably, what would the Warriors need to do for you to say, yep, yeah, no, that's it, they are the premiership favourites? Uh, I'm not too sure. I think it's something that's going to be in the long run because mm -hmm. St Mary's, I think, although St Mary's were disappointing, there's another side that I probably think were more disappointing in round one. Um, in Saints history, they always peak. Christmas time, they work the hardest and then they peak in finals. So... I think as long as Waratahs, I think the criticism has been is that they get ahead of themselves. Mm. So I want to see how that goes. Being the best side, right from the start, that gives them six months to, of complacency. Mm. And that's where my biggest worry is for them. Interesting. Palmerston, 16-13-109, defeated the Tiwi Bombers, 7-7-49. Mate, I almost fell off my chair when I checked the stats during the week and saw Baxter Mensch on debut in the NTFL. 43 disposals, three goals, three now, that is their big numbers in any competition, but the NTFL, we're talking about in the last three or four years, maybe two or three or four players have hit the 40 possession mark. To come in in your first game and get 43 touches, three goal three, 14 marks, whatever else he had, did you notice calling the game? Because sometimes it is hard when these new players come to town to really to really get a grasp of them. Did you notice Mench's influence on the game? Oh, not really. Last <laughs> quarter, he kicked three. 
And then I, you know, so then I thought, oh yeah, he's all right. Nothing in the broadcast. Better give him a vote now. Yeah, <laughs> I said, you know, I said in the broadcast, Guthrie's Batman, but I don't know who his Robin is. And <laughs> you know, now you can sort of see maybe Mensch's Batman and Guthrie's Robin because they tag, uh, uh, they tag, uh, oh mate, the Nichols medalist Guthrie out of it, and Mensch obviously stood up. I said to Sean, I'm living with Shawnee Willow, and Willow's like, oh, how good's this bloke? And I said, oh, he was okay. Mm. And then obviously the stats come out, and then it's sort of like, oh, it's obviously better than okay. <laughs> oh, mate, if there was yeah. super coach, you'd be your captain, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then for anyone to, you know, who hasn't played in Darm before, I think they played at, you know, that one yeah. or two o'clock. Yeah. What time did they play? About three o'clock. So to run around at that, in that heat um, and then get that many touches, mate, that's, uh, that's you know, that's very... Um, I can't get 43 touches of training, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, that is a big, big effort. Yeah, it's a big Palmy, engine. Yeah. Palmy did what they needed to do, I think, um, in that game. Uh, they, this, this week they got Pints, who they should probably beat. And then round three, they versus Nycliffe, so we'll see what they're about then, I feel. Yeah, just on that, Tristan Wack had a really good game in the ruck. Uh, Eric Guthrie continued where he left off, had heavy attention yeah. by the opposition, but still finished with 24 disposals. Eddie Betts, Camp Pedersen, Mench and Joshua Scott all finished with three goals for the Magpies. Did that performance on the weekend change any of your predictions? We've been a little bit harsh on the Magpies. Not harsh, but I suppose uh, putting the expectation on them that it's time to deliver now. Was that a step in the right direction on the weekend? Probably just a step in the right direction. I wouldn't be you know, counting, getting too ahead of myself on that one. Uh, uh, Tiwi did have a very young side in. And Tiwi actually played good in patches and had moments. And I think Palmerson did all they needed to do, winning by 10 goals. And we'll be able to get a bit of footy mats this weekend to see how Saints stack up against Tiwi. And if Saints blow Tiwi out of the park, then it might put that win a little bit down a bit more. Eddie Betts has really brought into Palmerston and the NTFL, hasn't he? I was so happy to see him playing on the weekend. A 60-point loss to the Tiwi Bombers. Obviously not a great start on paper. But I think it's going to be very repetitive, Raph, if we come here every Friday morning and talk about, well... The Bombers lost by 43 points, or the Bombers lost by 71 points. Wasn't that disappointing? How do we judge Tiwi Bombers this season? No, mate, I think it's just good to see him back out there. Uh, we know they sat mm -hmm. out the second half of last year. Um, but, yeah, just to see him back out there, mate, and, and the Tiwi boys, once, you know, their match fitness, once that starts to kick in, we know they've got the skills to match it with any side when they're up and about. So, you know, getting that young group working hard together. Good to see Mikey Coons back out there. I think he's missed the last two or three years mm. of footy with his knee injury. Um, you know, so you get guys like him fit, you know, get a couple of matches under their belt. Um, you know, I reckon in about three or four weeks' time, Tiwi are going to be hitting their straps and playing a lot better footy, um, you know, and, and Brenton Toy does put in the work to those boys and, you know, it's good to see him. I'm just happy to see him back out there, mate. Probably last one for me on this game. Did the Bombers have any young kids that impressed you? I watched the game briefly. I watched the replay as well. And I thought that young Singlippo shows a lot of talent, has played some very good football in the under-18s competition. I believe he's an Abala medalist. Uh, and I think young William Mankara as well was one that I would like to see a little more of. He's been training with the Nile Buffaloes in the preseason and looking really good. Who are some of the Bombers' young kids that have been impressing you? Those, those, are, those are the guys now. So Sing Lippo was a clear standout for mine. I think they had about 10 blokes, 20 and under. I spoke to Toysy after the game, and that's what he said. There was 10 under, uh, 20 and under. So I think talking about what we want to see from Tiwi is probably that. Um, and getting those matchups right early. They've got the Southerners in there. Get them to play on the big blokes. Like mm. They ta started taking Guthrie at halftime. That should have maybe started earlier. And then getting the matchup right with big Cam Peterson up forward. Um, I've seen Brendan Cantilla was on him at, st at times, and you got uh, big uh, Nick Hooker back there. So I don't understand why Nick Hooker wasn't straight away on him at the start. 
We do need to go to a break, but just a quick one, and I'm probably opening up a can of worms here by how complex this question could be, but where is the f line between Tiwi Bombers creating a side that is a development program that is basically something for good Tiwi Islands Football League players to aspire to and something to help social uh, development on the islands versus a purely just an NTFL football team that is trying to win games of football? I know they were criticised a couple of years ago by sometimes running out with teams with eight or nine interstate players and they would say, hey, is this really what the Tiwi Bombers is about? Where is that line between winning and getting results and, and being like simply just a, a social development team uh, for the Tiwi Islands? Yeah, I think if you ask anyone on the Tiwi Islands, they don't would, wouldn't like to see their boys lose every week. So mm. I think they do like the buy-in from any you know better players they can get, no matter where they're from. Mm -hmm. um, because like any club, you don't want to see your team getting a hiding every week. So, and they know these boys can learn stuff of players that come from elsewhere. So um, yeah. that's probably my thought on it. Yeah, I think in their premiership year, I think that six or eight, whatever round number it was, six or eight players that were non-Tiwis that were in the premiership side. They went with a Tiwi forward line on the weekend, which is really good. But you need two key backs, a couple of midfielders and a ruck. So you're actually looking at five or six, I yeah. think it's maybe mm. the line. That big long, you need a big solid spine, I think, yeah, the Tiwi boys and just some six, six, forward, two, six threes. Yeah, um, they went with six Tiwi forwards. Mm. Not too sure. Um, worked at the right times. Two more NTFL games to go to and then a preview of all the round two action coming up. This is SEN Fridays at the top end, 16, 11am. Thanks to Rain and Hall and Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN top end, 16, 11am. This is Fridays in the top end with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark. For Rain and Hall and Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark. For Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. Robbie, the new boys pint entered the competition last weekend. They were defeated Nycliffe 996 53 defeated the Pints 5-4-34. Sorry, I did throw to you, Robbie, but Raf, I want your opinion on this. Did that result go as expected, just on face value? It was an extremely wet game, so it was very hard to get a great read on either team, but a 29-point win to the Tigers, is that what you thought? Yeah, mate, they've they, you know, done the job, what they had to do. Um, you expected them to win, um, but you know when I flicked it over and chucked it on, I seen that Pints had kicked the first goals. I was like, this is going to be an interesting one, so I did watch till about half time, and once Nightclub started taking really control of that game, you know, you, which is what you expected, your leaders and Cam Island and Philo, you know, um, started controlling the game of footy. But, you know, Pines, well done, you know, in your first effort, I think, you know, everyone did know what to expect, but to, you know, to go down by only 29 points to the side that's played in the last three or four mm. grand finals, you know, good, good work by Shannon Rioli and the Pines crew. Exactly, an extremely wet game, but there were so many unknowns. So to get within five goals isn't too bad a result. I know there were some people who were saying, oh, look, Pint are really going to struggle. We're talking, you know, 20, 25 goal floggings here. Others have said, no, they'll be very competitive. So 29 points is certainly closer to the competitive side of things. Despite never really challenging Nycliffe, it wasn't a particularly close game, uh, but they stuck in there the whole way. A couple of young Nycliffe kids I thought went really, really well, particularly Phoenix, Joe Poole and Adrian Scott. Peter Politis is a second-year player and he performed really good. Robbie, how important is it that Nycliffe continue to blood their juniors? 
I think it's very important moving forward, <coughs> sorry, as a footy club. Um, both those boys played Div 1 footy last year and are eligible for under-16s age groups. And, like, doing that sort of stuff has helped them transition into the, the Premier League footy. Um, and I think Politis is a good runner as well, so they're going to have those kids for 10, 12 years if they don't go to high-level football. Um, Pints are pretty good on the day. Um, initially, the commentators said that it was a wet-weather game and that, and if it was dry, Pints would have been more in it. Mm, which that's I an interesting totally one. disagreed with. Yep. But is what it is. That was their opinion, and we, we, don't, we never know. But Pints go up against Palmerston this week. I wouldn't be writing them off beating Palmerston, but that a lot would have to change for them to, to beat Palmy, I feel. Yeah, I think Pint with Shannon Motlop would be happy with the way... I think they've got a team that can always be competitive in games. They have a lot of like disciplined-looking footballers, uh, footballers that have played pretty good standards down south. So even in these games where they're outclassed, say, against the Nycliffe, I don't think they're going to get absolutely blown out of the water just due to their competitiveness and, yeah. and, and that and sort of stuff. For talking about the kids as well, I thought Brodie Motlop was really Yeah, he was really son, good. So... I was a bit, I was unsure with him being picked. I didn't know what they looked like, but he was actually in the best four or five, I thought, mm. down back, and he looked um, settled, which yeah. was good. I think uh, one thing we're guaranteed with Pines is you're going to get that consistency of, um, you know, effort. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, been shown in their Div 1, you know, the, the past five or six years, how yep. consistent they are, and you're going to definitely always have a, a good crew to pick from. So, you know, that's that's full credit to um, Pines for building that list over the last four or five years and to taking the step into the Premier League and like we said, you know, they didn't get flogged like St Mary's and they're the reigning Premier so, you know, that's that's a good um, sign for Pints. Hey, we're a bit soft on this show. We stick to our opinions a little bit close and, and we don't go out on a limb here. So, let's put it out on the table. Robert, how many wins will Pint get this year? Give I've me had, a number. I've, had, I've got them on one. So I've got them on, on one at the moment, but like seeing them on the weekend, I'm not too sure. Like Palmy are going to be stronger, and the and Buffs are really good. I don't know how they beat if they beat Wanderers. If it's a wet day, geez, I'd have them beaten Wanderers with the way Wanderers played on the weekend. But R- they might beat Tiwi as well. But they versed Tiwi over on the islands, so that's a tough one. Yeah, it's an interesting one too. Um, I I I'll go a bit on a limb here, and I'll say three. Um, you know. You never know. They've probably got some good players lined up coming we, we haven't heard about yet. Um, but, you know, they, I think just getting used to the standard this year and um, being consistently, you know, putting that effort in. You never know. Um, you might get a team that turn up too cocky and all of a sudden you get five or six goals up in front and you know to hold on to that lead and shut it down. So I'll, I'll back him in for three um, and, and, you know, get behind Shannon. I, I think he's got a, he's a really good coach, Shannon, so... Yeah, Shannon Motlop has been on the record too, went on to our show, SEN Top End, a couple of weeks ago, and he did say that it was going to be a difficult year for his club. I don't think he's under any illusions that he's going to storm in and win a flag in his first year or anything like that. Uh, Are we under agreement that it will probably be Tiwi and Pint battling it out for the bottom two spots? For me, yes. Yeah, but I'm leaning towards that way as well. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Brody Philo was solid. Cameron Nylett had 14 tackles, which is huge. That was only one or two off the all-time NTFL record held by Dom Brew. Sean Wilson topped the disposal count for Nycliffe. It's pretty impressive, Rob, that these veterans continue to show up each year, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, I wasn't... I seen Cam was best on, and I sort of didn't... When I was watching the in and out of of the footage, sort of wasn't... Between Buffaloes and Wanderers in that game, on a similar time... Wasn't yeah, seeing Cammy was best on. So oh, I didn't notice him greatly, but then looking back at the stats, he had 14 tackles and yeah. just keeps continually churning out those efforts. Massive 
the final game of the round, Darwin Buffaloes 12-7-79 defeated Wanderers 8-9-57. Buffaloes were able to overcome a late charge by the Eagles. Nightcliff recruit Liam Holt-Fitz was impressive in his first outing in double blue colours, showing his class and finishing with three goals. Kane Riley and Kevin Maroney were excellent in defence, while on ballers John Verodos and Ryan Pendlebury worked hard all night. Was this a result that surprised you, Raf? Yeah, mate. I um, I thought Wanderers, you know, especially when they named Stephen, um, you know, they had a very solid list. Um, you know, a lot of their senior players and and pretty much almost the same, a good side from last year. You know, there's a lot of senior players in there. And uh, yeah, Buffaloes were awesome. I I tuned in and watched about three quarters of the game and to see Kane Riley, I think that's what they're really missing. That real big key defender that can control the game. Um, so Kane Riley was awesome in my eyes and, and Fitzy's always going to be dangerous. So if you don't put your time and effort into Fitzy and he stood up and, you know, gave him three goals. So um, brought on to the, the Buffaloes boys. Are they genuine inclusions that can move the needle for the Buffaloes and, and drive them up the ladder? Those Liam Holt Fitz, Coco Nicky, uh, Kane good, yeah. Riley types. They yeah. Are they going to make a genuine difference or do you think they're just good depth players? And also, and this I know changes the question drastically, but let's not forget Don Brew will make his debut this weekend for the Buffaloes, a Nichols medalist. So that Nycliffe contingent, will they, will they help the Buffaloes? Surely. Definitely, yeah, definitely will help them um, take him over that next step into finals footy. Mm. So getting Don... That'll take, yeah, it'll take Buffaloes up the ladder a bit, but then getting Don Brew c- to commit um, and a few others will take him into that top three space, I feel. Yeah. But, yeah, so. Do you, because I don't want to put words into your mouth here, but I know I, I get the impression that you think that the story of that game almost was how disappointing Wanderers were as opposed to how good the Buffaloes were. Is that a correct statement? Yeah, no, that's correct. I think Wanderers were pretty disappointing. Um, I was at your house on the Tuesday night, mm. and I... I tip Buffaloes. Prepping then, for the show. Yep. Oh, maybe Thursday it was, actually. Yeah. And I seen Wanderers' side, and I changed the tip to Wanderers. <laughs> and so that's why I'm also disappointed. Um, <laughs> and looking at their team list, yeah, I don't know the direction they're going in. They had 11 blokes over 30, which is mm. interesting. And I thought, looking at them, the side, obviously we weren't wary that it was going to rain. But I thought the big forwards for Wanderers were going to cause some mayhem. Mm-hmm. And then I thought the quicks of Buffaloes were going to cause some mayhem. And then their back line a bit older backline than other sides and they couldn't go with Coco, Nicky and Holtz Fitz and that's sort of what happened on the day. They might have to move McLean back there because it's someone to go with those quicks. Mm. When you train at a football club, you get just a greater insight because you can see how hard a player is training. Bradley Stokes had 27 disposals and seven tackles. They are some big, big numbers. He has definitely put in the best preseason that he has ever had in his life. He's leading all the running at yep. Buffaloes. He's put in a lot of work into his football. A player like that, when they are switched on and focused and getting the best out of themselves, their ceiling can be very, very high, can't they? Yeah, a few things on Bradley Stokes I noticed. Um, he's obviously looking very fit and lean, but it was a couple of times early in the Wanderers had transitioned the footy out of the back half, and Bradley Stokes was leading the charge to cover the exit, mm. which was really good stuff. And then a couple of times, his ball use is just ridiculous off at high level. And a couple of times he ran by players and they didn't give him the hands and I was dumbfounded by that when going inside 50. Oh, yeah. So he was a real standout and didn't get any votes either in the medias mm. and he topped the possessions. Didn't get in the best good. by buffs either. No, nah, so I was very surprised with seeing all that. And last one before we go to the news, Stephen Motlop, 26 disposals, two goals. I was very impressed with Stephen's first game in the top end. It's not easy. Raf, obviously you have the most experience out of anyone on this table going from the AFL back to the NTFL. But... I thought he looked like a genuine game-breaker and one that's going to cause some real damage on the competition, Raf. 
Yeah, definitely. And um, like we said, we, we were asking the question last week, where do you play, Stephen? And, and I, I sort of mentioned just let him go get the footy and, you know, he, he'll find the footy and do what he has to do. And, you know, he, he was awesome, Stephen. A couple of times there, same thing, like Rob has mentioned, blokes not giving the handball. Um, you had Stephen Motlop running past and blokes choose to kick it when he's going to kick it another yeah. 20 metres and probably hit someone lace out. So, yeah, that was a big couple of times I've seen that. I was like, oh, gee, you didn't give it to Stephen Motlop. You're going to hear about that later. So <laughs> yeah. I forgot who it was. I won't point uh, any names out, but I, I definitely forgot who it was um, a couple of times. And But, yeah, Stephen, you know, to his, um, take, done his job and, you know, his teammates probably let him down. Yeah, even speaking of Shannon Rioli back in the day, you know, like he had a very elite kick and he said that he'd never give a handball off unless it was Heath Culpert running past him. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.